Raw Truth podcasts may contain explicit, sensitive, and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or other medical professional. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Women's lives follow many paths, twists and turns, and choices never planned nor expected. In life, temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness can lead a good person to make a choice that they can't take back. When facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. In this podcast, you will hear stories from women who made the choice to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. An anonymous and no-judgment podcast created and hosted by me, Rebecca Adams. I was an unfaithful wife. You are not alone. Welcome, everybody, to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Happy 2023. I hope you had a great holiday. Merry Christmas, because that's what I would say, and a good new year. And that 2023 turns out to be a great year for you as well. I also want to put out a reminder that Let's Ponder is no longer on this channel. It is now called Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, and it is on its own channel, and you can find it wherever you subscribe, Apple included. And today's episode, because of the content being taboo and infidelity, it is actually going to be running as my first episode on Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams. But this will give you a chance to remind yourself to subscribe so you can listen to all sorts of things. We've got a lot of different topics coming up, and I've had some great input from people, and we're just going to go for it. It's not necessarily about infidelity on Let's Ponder. It's anything taboo. So, you know, there will be quite a few about infidelity, but there may be some other fun topics like in years past. And people have asked about the whole size matters. And that one is actually going to stream a little bit later in the year. I'm still gathering information and putting it together. I'd like to be able to have as much info on a topic as I can. So just a reminder, subscribe to Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams. So today's story, When Cheating Turns Deadly, is a story about infidelity that ended in murder. In August of 2022, Carrie submitted her own story of infidelity, and she briefly mentioned the tragedy of her parents due to infidelity. She was willing to share that story with us. Names have been changed for privacy reasons. This is the story of my parents and infidelity. We will call them Vince and Brenda. My parents met when they were around 16 years old. He actually noticed her older sister, Millie, before her. Millie would catch the bus near where he lived, and after school, she would sometimes hang out with their mutual friends. Millie was older and not really interested in my dad, but one day she had a tag along with her when he was hanging around the neighborhood looking for ways to make money to buy cigarettes. That's when he met my mother, Brenda. He said they started talking and he thought she was really pretty. 
From there, things moved kind of quickly for them. They spent lots of time together and after a night of partying, decided they should get married. My dad still lived at home and so did she. His home life was awful, abusive and neglectful. His parents left him and his older sister to fend for themselves while they worked. When he got old enough, he would do odd jobs for people. He was very skilled in carpentry and labor in general. This was also around the time that my grandma remarried to a much better man, Jerry. Jerry wanted a good life for them, so he tried to help my dad get a construction job. He started making good money for a 17-year-old. This is important because my mother's family wasn't the best either. She was also abused by her parents, her dad both physically, mentally, and we believe sexually. They had four kids and my mother was the baby. They were very money-driven and greedy to a point. So, at first they didn't want them together because my dad was seen as a poor punk. However, once he started bringing home the money, her parents seemed to be more inclined to push them together. They eventually got married at 18 and 17. She was six months older, and they loved to party. Heavy into quaaludes, MJ, and lots of alcohol. It was the late 70s, early 80s, so they got away with a lot. They moved in together, and he bought a trailer for them in a very nice little park. I personally still remember the whole layout of the place. They had kind of a rough relationship, but not violent. Mostly just disagreements based on how her family wanted her to manage their money, aka give them money a lot. My dad made good money, but he felt her parents should work and earn their way just like him, and that was a constant argument starter. Not long after they moved into the trailer, they met the close neighbors. One couple in particular, Barry and Tracy, became good friends. They hung out a lot, played cards, partied. The men got along great and the women became BFFs. When they were 19, I came along. Apparently, I was a rainbow baby after a miscarriage, so they were actually pretty surprised when I made it to full term. My dad tells me my mother was a great mom to me. I was her doll and she loved to dress me up in the best things. I have some memories of her when I lived with them. Her blasting Dolly Parton's Jolene or Coat of Many Colors, watching Sesame Street and brushing my hair, and lots of people around all the time. I remember Barry and Tracy being around a lot. I loved playing with their dog Scruffy. I remember after that point, Barry seemed to be around a lot more than Tracy. Tracy got a new job or something and we saw her less and of course my dad worked a lot. But on his days off, he took me on the longest bike rides. It was awesome. It wasn't long before everything happened that I remember an argument between them. I remember being scared for the first time in my life as I was held by both parents while they yelled at each other. I was so upset. The other memories of hide-and-seek games started surfacing shortly after that argument. I later found out that they were arguing over money and my dad wanted to move to Georgia to work with his brother-in-law and she didn't want to move and would rather divorce than leave. 
The hide-and-seek game was when Barry would come over and we would play hide-and-seek. My mom would count and Barry and I would hide. He would show me the best places. It seemed they were so good my mom never found me, and if she did, I had often fallen asleep. She always found Barry, though. The weekend of the incident. Friday. My dad goes out partying with his friend Mick. They scored a ton of weed and quaaludes and head to Kentucky for some festivals. Saturday. Dad calls his sister to inquire about the job. Decides he is ready to go to Georgia and wants to head home to plead for my mom and I to join him. Goes home and finds that I'm gone and my mom is planning to head back to her mom's house to get me and plans to hang out with her sisters for a while. Dad tells her about wanting to move and she says she will think about it. He tells her about the festival and asks if she wants to join, but she declines. Mick calls to ask Dad if he still needs a ride. He tells him to meet him at the festival. He gives my mom a kiss and tells her he will see her Sunday because he wants to hang with Mick. Later that night, my dad is high and messed up feeling like he needs to ask for advice from my grandma about the move to Georgia. So, dad calls my grandma. It's late, but she answers. He is high, upset, and she tells him to go home and talk to my mother again said that Georgia would be a great opportunity for us as a family, but that he should really go home and have a heart-to-heart -heart with my mother when he sobers up. See, my dad was ready to go to Georgia that night. He wanted to either come get us and leave or work out something so he knew I'd be okay while he was gone until things were more stable. However, he took my mother's words to heart, words that she regretted until the day she died, and he went home. When he got home, it was dark, nothing unusual. He said he kind of stumbled from the car to the porch and sat there for a few minutes and then went inside. Their bedroom was right off the living room and to the right, which the front door led straight into. So he went straight there. Now, earlier in the day, when he was speaking to my mother before Mick called, she told him she would be at her mom's with me that evening. So he was not expecting her to be home. He said that when he entered the bedroom and flipped on the light, Barry rolled towards him and out of my mother. It was at that moment that he said he went numb and screamed at them, asking what the hell was going on here. Then turned to leave. He said as soon as he walked out the bedroom door, he lost it and grabbed the first thing on the floor beside him, a lug wrench. He was a carpenter, construction worker, and also helped in our family junkyard as a mechanic, so it was nothing unusual for tools to be scattered around our living room space at different times. After he grabbed it, he said he turned around and started swinging. He said he was just so mad and so hurt that he just went off and lost himself. When he stopped, that's when it hit him. He turned on the light and that's when he saw all the blood and no one was moving. He said everything was blurry. He was sobering up from the almost second day drinking and quaalude binge. So then he found his way to the phone and called 911. 911, what's your emergency? I have the original tape. And to this day, hearing my dad's voice on that call makes me sob. 
You can hear him breathing as he starts to speak. His voice cracks as he says, I caught them fucking and I think I killed them. Please send help. And he just sobs and answers the questions for the dispatcher. Police came and he is taken into custody at 23 years old. I still remember the hospital with all the windows laying on a chair half asleep when I heard my aunt saying, your mommy is in that helicopter right there as it flies over. It was dark, so it was the only lights I could see. I remember seeing her in the hospital bandaged and in a coma. I remember the anger and harsh words from her parents towards me after that. I was four, so I didn't quite understand why they were mad at me for crying over my daddy too. I remember the apartment they lived in, and I wasn't allowed to leave, only to see my mother. And I kept asking for my home, my dog, my kitty, my daddy, my grandma B, my dad's mom, Jerry, my white bed, and many things dear to me. Their response was anger and abuse. It was short-lived because Grandma B and Jerry fought for me and won. Then I remember the jail, how it smelled and the entire path to get to the hall where I got to see my daddy for the first time through glass, but we talked on the phone. I remember the courthouse. There's pictures of me picking flowers there Easter week under the huge headlines of the murder trial. Easter is a big reason why his trial was so rushed. The judge wanted the jury done by Good Friday, and that's when the verdict was read. Did I mention that there were three jurors who knew my mother? My dad had rookie attorneys that my grandparents thought were good. They lied. Never tried murder cases in their careers, so instead of a crime of passion case, he was tried under murder and attempted murder. My mother's family lied and perjured themselves many times, but he was still found guilty of murder, 23 years to life, and felonous assault, 8 to 15 years. We've done appeals, had board hearings, and ever since I was old enough to understand, I've tried to advocate for my dad because he's never denied his crime. But he also never intended to kill anyone, and his crime was a crime of passion. Anyone who has been cheated on knows the hurt and pain and the anger that can come from it. Mix it with his concoction and, well, that's what can happen. Not an excuse, but it's reality. Also, his toxicology report wasn't even done until two weeks after being taken into custody. So, the level of his inebriation has never been documented, which could have helped him. So many failures. As for me... I believe I stated it in my affair story, but my mother and I never bonded, and her family was vile, and I refused to claim them. My dad is my rock, but his parents were also toxic to me in their own ways. What a tragic story. Absolutely horrible from... The beginning to the end and I'm a person who does follow true crime and I'm certainly not a criminal specialist attorney or anything like that but you see crimes of passion versus cold-blooded murder and I can tell by the way Carrie shared the story here that this was not premeditated at all 
It was out of anger, rage, intoxication, and the fact that her father has never denied what he did. So I know that's this got to be really, really hard on the family. And I feel these types of cases actually happen often, more often than talked about. I mean, if you watch Dateline 2020, all those things, or Snapped, <laughs> you know, there are situations where people, when it's not premeditated, but as a crime of passion, it happens. And people get hurt and people get killed. So, Carrie, thank you so much for sharing your story of your folks with us. I know it's a lot to think about and go back, and I appreciate your willingness to do that. And if anybody else has any stories similar to this and want to share, just let me know. I would welcome it. On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. But I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when he uncovered the truth. She got dressed for bed and put Whitney in her room as she was already sound asleep. She came back into our bedroom, got in bed, and she turned off the light. She started being very aggressive with me and wanting me to bite her neck. I did because it seemed to turn her on, however, I was always careful not to leave marks. Regardless of how much, it got her going. She took off her sleep shirt and stuck her large breasts in my face. It was then that I saw there was already a big hickey on her breast. To hear exclusive stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship, have early access to regular episodes ad-free, and more extras, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as only $4 a month. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of Raw Truth Podcasts is truly appreciated. When you visit the website rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, you will find the story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon for exclusive episodes, and to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, where taboo topics are discussed. To submit your female infidelity story, share feedback, or have general questions about the show, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. Stories shared will be read without judgment and always anonymously. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is written, produced, and edited by Rebecca Adams. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. And always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.